Hello and welcome to BizPod. Today we're going to be talking to James Mulvaney about some of the brilliant entrepreneurship that he's done. He is an incredibly talented entrepreneur and the founder and CEO of Radio.co, Podcast.co and Matchmaker FM. Today we'll be chatting about entrepreneurism, starting businesses and some of the tripfalls that can catch people out as they're starting. Enjoy! How are you doing? How's life been faring you with this uh, new world we're in? Yeah, it's, it's strange, isn't it? Kind of, I'm used to being in an office, so I've been working from home um, uh, for the last sort of well, six months or so now. Um, and yeah, it's, it's okay. You know, I kind of miss the team and I miss being in the, mm. the office environment, I think. But, um, you know, we're, we're kind of going in occasionally when we need to do stuff. So if we need to do like, some filming or occasionally for meetings, we can kind of pop in. Um, but yeah, still from home for the foreseeable future. So it's looking like everyone's kind of working that way now. Yeah, it's um, it's quite fun being a, a podcaster with the setup. It's like doing all the Zoom calls and people are like, oh, wow, you're so professional. <laughs> so it's always good to look good on the Zoom calls, especially if you're speaking to pers- prospective clients, you know. Exactly. And um, how, how many people with you uh, in your offices, if I may ask? So there's about 30 of us. Ah, a sizable team. And um, mm. yeah, ev- everybody's all... Out of house working from home at the moment, I presume. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, yeah, it's like, uh, how have you been finding it? Because obviously, uh, it's you know, being podcasting and all that stuff. It's you know, I I know from kind of a lot of the the people we deal with, it's part of people's yeah. routines. It says it been a more busier time for you, or it's kind of more of the the same. Well, I think, um, so obviously I run three different businesses, podcast.co, radio.co, matchmaker.fm. One, one thing we have noticed uh, across the border with all three three websites um, is just a drastic increase in, in traction um, for the products and just traffic on the sites. More people interested in starting podcasts, more people who have been starting radio stations during lockdown as well on our broadcasting platform. Um, so as a business, it's been good. It's actually been really busy. The the first couple of months of lockdown were, were absolutely manic for us. Mm. We actually had to, uh, we ended up hiring more people just to, keep, you know, keep up with the demand uh, for, for, you know, in terms of inquiries coming in through the site. Uh, we, we hired three extra customer success representatives. Two were in the US, actually, one one in the US, one in Canada and one back here. So, wow. um, yeah, but one of the things I think has taught us as a business really has been that, um, you know, I've been very much as an entrepreneur. Let's build the team. Let's have everything in house. Um, you know, and, and it's been kind of always a good priority to sort of get people in the office. Whereas now we haven't got that luxury. So it's kind of opened my eyes a bit to actually, do we always need to recruit locally or could we hire someone on, on the other side of the pond over in the States or could we hire someone in Europe or, you know, so I think um, it will probably change the way that I recruit as an entrepreneur moving forward. Fantastic stuff. And yeah, yeah I imagine with being such a it's very fair. internationally bound business, uh, it opens up so much opportunity for you to just, uh, kind of tailor and kind of work with different uh, cultures and kind of locations. Yeah, I think um, you know we have customers pretty much all over the world. I'd say about half of our audience is in the USA, um, but yeah, we have customers throughout Europe. We have customers in you know Africa, or India, Japan, you name it, really. Um, and we of course find you through um, 
Matchmaker uh, mm -hmm. FM, which, uh, you know, I just think is such a brilliant idea in itself. Um, for those who are unsure, it sort of connects you with other podcast guests and also other podcast shows. So you actually find us through LinkedIn and then we find you we again <laughs> through um, your yeah. own site. And and yeah, I mean, we, we've already got sort of three, four guests lined up. Um for a show that we sort of only launched more mm -hmm. recently and and yeah we've only got to thank you because that's been brilliant. good to hear yeah and um coming from having done other podcasts <laughs> in the past it was always our method from getting guests was always for twitter and then you approach people and you're like yeah. oh, do you want to come on the podcast they're like i, I i'm not a radio boy I, I don't have microphones what's this podcasting <laughs> thing so now yeah. it just makes everything so much streamlining and yeah it's been fantastic and if you don't mind me asking how did you get into the kind of matchmaker situation and how did that come to be yeah, it's a funny thing, isn't it? Because we bill it as like Tinder for podcasters, mm. um, you know, but there's no there's nothing dating about it. But it is kind of a similar, similar process in that, you know, we have a bunch of people who you could call them singles, if you like, who are podcasters who are looking for people to to hook up with. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, obviously, when you have a podcast, an interview based podcast, one of the main challenges is making sure that you've constantly got people coming into your pipeline. So making sure that you've constantly got new people to interview. Um, a lot of people will start just with like either professional contacts they have or their friendship group sometimes, which is great. But, you know, I think interviewing people who you perhaps wouldn't have normally spoken to can offer another dynamic to, to some, to one's podcast. And, and of course, you know, you learn a lot along the way. It's great fun. You get to meet some interesting people. And the idea really came about because, you know, obviously we launched podcast.co uh, as, a, as a platform last year. Part of the, the strategy, we sat down and thought, right, what funnels can we create as a, as a business to drive traffic to our website and looking at the podcasting space. And it became really apparent that the, um, the idea of getting guests on or people who are searching for guests or likewise people who perhaps consider themselves to be experts in a certain subject or want to grow their personal brand or want to market their business looking to be guests on podcasts were kind of two separate groups of people. So we thought, well, OK, let's create these two different funnels. One's for podcasters looking for guests and one for guests looking to be on more podcasts. But we didn't actually have a way of connecting these two mm. people together. So we thought... Um, you know, if, if we're getting all these these inquiries or people basically completing these lead generation forms, sure, we can sell them podcasting. But wouldn't it be great if we actually had a way of, of connecting the, these sort of two different groups together? And that's how Matchmaker was born. It was sort of really came out of it was almost came around by accident, to be honest. I mean, obviously, we knew that there was a demand there in this, this part of the market, but it just made sense for us to, to create a solution. So we we initially started with the design. We kind of mocked up a you know, a few UI designs with a designer. Mm -hmm. It was almost like wireframes. And it really took probably another six months before we started working on the project. Um, but we launched Matchmaker in February of this year. And it's grown tremendously. We just hit 12,000 users um, wow. in like eight months. Yeah, so. that's brilliant. Yeah, I, I won't lie. Like, it's, yeah, seeing mm. some of your, you know, podcast clips and, uh, you know, the, how the Cal sites has, have been set up is very much... Uh, solving problems, which I, I think is just what kind of entrepreneurship comes down to, is finding a problem and yep. solving it. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or just locating a demand that's not been fulfilled, like, you know, finding a sort of, you know, in this case, it's not looking at the whole market as a whole. It's almost looking like a subsection of a market and saying, right, okay, there's, there's clearly demand for this product. There's obviously lots of people who are turning to podcasting as a way to promote themselves or promote their businesses. Um, you know, and, and it's uh, the thing is, as well, a lot of people who come on to podcasts as guests then end up starting their own podcast as well. So it's kind of it's, it's it's got like a double benefit for us in that way. Yeah. So, 
it, it, you know, it's something you try and then you're like, oh, that's fun. It's like the conversations yeah. I used to have in the ancient times. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. When people used to speak face to face versus just Madness. sending messages <laughs> yeah. on, on your thumbs. And you used to meet yeah. people. With their... But uh, I, I completely oh. agree. I think it's... I remember those days. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a natural way of communicating, isn't it? And it's just like having a conversation with someone, you know, can lead down all different roads. Um, you end up learning from each other, and also then the audience kind of feels like they're part of the conversation in a weird way too. I think. Yeah. Overall, how did you end up getting into this mad world of podcasting? Obviously, you've been doing. Yeah. Did it like did you do this and then kind of lead into it from like a, a tech entrepreneurship route, or did you do podcasting and then? turn it into a career how did that come about yeah so when i was um i don't know 16 i uh, 16 17 years old i was i was going to radio i wanted to be a dj and um i've always loved listening to radio back then um podcasts did exist just about but they were like really in their infancy so i don't think i'd heard mm. of podcasts back then I, but i wanted to be on the radio and that's how i kind of got involved in i guess sort of presenting and, and the idea of being behind a microphone um from there, I went off to university, and one of my other interests was building websites. So I went and did a degree in interactive multimedia, which sounds kind of old-fashioned now, but um, I think it's basically called web technology now or something. <laughs> but yeah, it was it, it was basically a kind of a hybrid of, of programming. We did a bit of graphic design, and we learned a bit about e-commerce. So it was kind of like you came out of the degree being a bit of jack-of-all-trades in the internet world. And I learned to code a bit and I sort of, you know, I was uh, my first before before I even started um, at uni, I was actually designing like those little animated banners that used to get everywhere. Oh. Uh, well, that was like my first sort of foray into entrepreneurship. But when I finished school, I didn't want to go and get a job. So I, that's what I did. I just designed those banners and um, started making some money on the Internet. Um, but, yeah, once I graduated uni, I was I'd, I'd sort of turned my interest in radio and my knowledge of how the internet works into a business called wave streaming, um, which, you know, I sort of ran whilst I was a student. Um, and then I was really lucky in the sense that it had grown to a size where I didn't have to then go out and find a job after uni. I could kind of focus on that, um, carried on growing that for a couple of years. And then then that eventually morphed into what is now Radio.co, um, which we launched in 2015. Um, and and that's sort of grown ever since, and so so that's really how how I kind of got involved in this this industry. Incredible stuff, and yeah, if I, the the combination of uh, doing a little bit of radio and podcasting, I think's yeah. incredibly underrated. It's um, recently chatting with my father, you know, very old fashioned, still has an analog radio, and he's just moved to digital radio, and it's like with that, he's <laughs> suddenly got into podcasting. It's like, oh, we can have conversations now. This is fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I think I think when someone, it's like when your mum and dad are, are understand what something is. I think that's a good sign of when it's hit mainstream, right? Yeah, it's, it's uh, like going all my mum knows what podcasts are now. I don't think she understands. She actually knows how to listen to them, but she understands what they are. So, yeah, it's um, you, it's amazing when I, I, I presume you get it more often than I do, where people uh, slightly older are just like um. Yeah, I've been hearing like BBC do podcasts and like this like famous celebrity. How how do they work? Like, do I need one app? Is it like Netflix? But no, it's a a mad new world. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, so you've been kind of going into just entrepreneurship from a, a very young age, and was that something mm -hmm. that you kind of saw happening or aspired to be, or is that just kind of the the dreams facilitated the entrepreneurship? 
Um, I think there's a bit of both, really. I think, like, my dad, um, when I was growing up, my dad had his own business, and he always said to me when I was a kid, like, you know, he, he very different business. He, he had a furniture antiques business. Um, but, you know, he always said the best decision he ever made was going self-employed. You know, he had lots of jobs before I was born, doing this, that, and the other. And he always said, you know, a lot of a lot of my friends growing up, their dads worked in London because I grew up near London and their dads, you know, they'd be like gone until 11 p.m. at night. So they barely see the kids. Whereas my dad was like, because he had this freedom, he could come to a sports days. He could come and pick us up from school if we weren't feeling well, you know. So it was really great. And he always said, you know, it just gave him so much freedom. So I think that was kind of probably the catalyst. Um, it was never like, oh, you know, you should start your own business, James. That's what we're expecting of you. But it just, I, I think it just felt natural. Like when I was 16, because of my dad's kind of, you know, my dad's hustling, mm. uh, you know, he was very much just like a wheeler dealer, you know, he, he likes to buy and sell. Um, and he, he kind of, yeah, I think, I think it was probably that, that, that sort of in, inspired me, I guess, to think, right, well, my friends are going and getting part-time jobs working at McDonald's or whatever. And what can I do, which will make some money, you know, and it, it, to begin with, I was like, oh, well, I just want to make like f a few hundred quid a month because that's all I need. I'm only 15 or 16. Uh, and then I was like, okay, I remember in sixth form, I was like, right, I want to get a thousand pounds in my bank. That was kind of the next phase. So, and obviously it's gone on from there, um, you know, but that that's kind of the, the early, the, I think that ultimately that sort of wants to hustle, that, that desire to like create something from nothing is probably where it came from. Wow. It's, um, it's quite, it's quite a, a, yeah. a journey. And was the, the wave streaming your, your first business, if I'm correct in saying? Yeah, well, that was I'd say my that was on my first proper business in terms of you know it 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 grew to a level where I had I, I started taking on staff, and you know it was generating you know significant revenues by by the end of of that project, um, and yeah it it was a, it was considered a proper business you know up until that I did lots of different things I had when I was in uh, un university I went to uni in Huddersfield and I had like a, a web design firm for mm. a bit. Um, before that, yeah, I said it just used to do like odd jobs. I designed graphics for people. So I kind of really dipped my toes in lots of different industries. Um, but I think the the radio, the streaming media business was something that was kind of hitting a niche. Um, and I sort of used the skills that I had. So I, I could I could deal, design a good website. I mean, and then I learned how to, to sort of start marketing. I learned a bit about SEO, you know, how to generate traffic for that site. So I think when you go into to launching an internet business, and again, it's very different now than it was then because back then there was social media, but we businesses didn't rely as much on social media. Um, so, so it was kind of a bit different. But I think nowadays, you know, there's, there's so much, so many opportunities. If, if you want to start a business, you can validate an idea very, very quickly and see if it's got, kind of got legs. Um, whereas I sort of took it the very slow, slow and steady route. Like I kind of played around with different ideas until eventually I found something that was seemed to be working. Yeah, and I, I think yeah, you would agree with me, Louise, where it's amazing how quickly just doing like the little wee ob jobs here and there just snowballs into this is my life now. I can't escape. <laughs> yeah, the main difference between doing like a having having a business and sort of doing work where you're kind of fulfilling clients' needs is, is the business is you can scale it more. You know, if you if you've got a product to sell you can you can generate revenue because you're you know you create that product once and you sell it over and over again now whether that's a product or a sort of software platform like i built um whereas obviously if you're doing you know like i started out designing banners and then designing websites for people you know, there's only so many hours in your Indeed. day so it's quite hard to, to scale from that perspective yeah it's um i, I won't lie the the kind of path and model that you've you've built is 
really kind of inspirational because as you say it's you know for especially production kind of cell companies like ourselves there is like a, mm. a limit to how much you can do in a day and how much can be done so how have you found that transitioning going from just being you know purely just fitting in as many jobs you can in your schedule and try to get as much as possible for them to just having a, a kind of volume-based kind of economy yeah i think the, the the main thing for me was delegation like when i when i started out and when i was at uni i grew over grew the business i was i was wearing many hats you know i was like the sales guy i was the marketing guy i was writing code i was designing the website etc i think you know like you say there's only so many hours in your day and you kind of become okay at doing lots of things but not necessarily brilliant at doing any of them so the first when i the first member of staff i hired was um someone to sort of manage customer support and sales mm. inquiries that freed up a lot of my time to then focus on the bigger picture so it's kind of about when you first sort of take that leap because it's quite you know again i thought about this probably for about two years before i finally took the plunge because hiring someone's a big responsibility like absolutely responsible not only for your own well-being and your own kind of um mm. wages at the end of every month but them as well and which is quite intimidating um but you know you need to think about what what do you want what what's going to free up most of your time and to, to to allow you to sort of focus on the bigger picture and and also what is your time best spent on like if, you, if you're better at one thing than another and actually i was quite i was quite bad at, at sort of dealing with customers and, and customer support mm. i just I just I'm, I, I'm too honest I just tell things like they are and sometimes that can end up coming across really badly so that was the first thing I thought to myself right that's my weakness I need to get away from from that position yeah I won't lie that's been a, one of the beneficial things about having a business partner I think you would agree yeah. Louise where I can talk really good about the like the technical details but oh, absolutely. clients and stuff like that I'm like I'm sorry I'm not your man yeah <laughs> it's, it's fine it's, there's nothing wrong with that it's every email he starts that there's always like that blurb at the beginning which just seems like it's written by a <laughs> robot and then this incredibly eloquent you know detailed these are the points i need to know you know and then a weird <laughs> goodbye uh, so yeah. a bit of a mess but <laughs> yeah and um delegation that is something when just kind of just kind of meeting you and kind of learning about your thing that just seems madness like obviously matchmaker that is a, a full-time job on its own and then you've got you know the radio.co you've got the um everything else on top of that how do you find time do you kind of have like a third of the day goes to each or how is how are you managing well i'm you know as i mentioned earlier i'm lucky i've got a a, you know fairly substantial team who work alongside me now so i you know i I'm, i'm in the position where i am ceo so i really look at the overall strategy and just make sure that everything keeps moving forward and we keep progressing and sometimes, yes, it is, you know, obviously I don't uh, currently have got three different pro- projects on the go. Um, I think that's probably about the limit for me. I don't think I want to take on something else right this second. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think probably a couple of years ago, I wouldn't have been able to do that. Again, it's, it's partly is making sure that you have as a business systems in mm. place. Uh, again, we have different teams who work on different pro- products. So again it's quite important to make sure that you know if if you've got a product and you've got a customer base that customer base is adequately supported and served and you know we have three separate development teams who work on each platform so so they we have a podcast.co team radio.co team and a matchmaker team they're all completely separate they're all working on those three products completely separately um but then for example um there are some crossover 
Uh, so, so, so some teams uh, w- will end up doing so. Podcast.co and Matchmaker have got the same marketing team, mm. so those, those marketing teams are working on both those platforms. So, you know, it, it's just about making sure that you know you're adequately resourced as a business to, to deal with it, um, and then make sure that you know you've got uh, the right structure in place to keep things moving forward. Fantastic. Yeah, I think there's something really interesting that you mentioned before, if you don't mind hopping back, um, that you sort of said now or or now is a very different sort of uh, online sphere to get into. Do you think you would have done similar routes had you been starting now, possibly not in the current, current climate, yeah. but with, you know, the the social media presences that there are and that kind of much more, I guess, just social media driven yeah, uh, platforms. Yeah, I was thinking about this the other day. Like, if I was starting again now, would I start the same business? I still think I'd, I'd be keen to start some kind of business. Whether or not I'd be doing the same thing, I don't. I don't know. And again, it's quite, it's kind of difficult because as you go through, you know, as time progresses, you learn more and more. Um, you know, I really learned on the job. I didn't really know what I was doing when I started out. I was kind of making it up as I went along, and uh, you know, eventually, I sort of started to become quite good at what I did. And 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 then I realised again some some of my strengths and some of my weaknesses, but. It's quite easy to think back now and say, oh, you know, because I suppose I look at things more from an analytical point of view now than I perhaps would have when I was like, you know, 18 or 19. Um, But uh, yeah, I I don't know. I definitely would. I think I would still want to start a business if I was starting again right now. And I've always said to to people like I could Mm. could quite easily like I think I'd be quite capable if I wanted to of just starting again tomorrow. You know, like if, 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 if for some reason everything went, you know, balls up for a lack of a better better expression i think you know i i just i wouldn't consider going and getting a job now I, I probably kind of consider myself almost unemployable really it would have to just be right okay let's what's next we'll figure, figure out something else <laughs> but but i don't think um i don't think i necessarily wouldn't yeah. always go back into the same industry i don't know i mean again i've always i've been running software companies mm. now for like 15 years you know kind of uh and I don't think if I was like in a few years time, I would quite like to try and run some other kind of business. So maybe something based a bit more in the real world, like something with a physical like existence, like a bar or restaurant or something. I don't know, but I've never run a business like that. And I think it would be quite interesting to do so. Wow. It's um, yeah, quite incredible. I think it's brilliant how that sort of business kind of ties everything together. Cause I think at the end of the day, there is something sort of universal about, business in itself um, and I think especially the more that we're learning because we you know we went and studied media we we are very good at the kind of practical craft that we do and so it's this other side that we're learning um, even though I think we're both sort of entrepreneurs in spirit yep. there's that kind of right how do we merge it together how do we do this and and I think at the start it is nobody really knows what they're doing yeah. um, unless you're very lucky um, and and that's wonderful to hear again <laughs> reinforced. Yeah, but I mean, like when it's interesting you say that, you know, because like um, I'm guessing you guys have not long graduated. Yes. So so when I when I just around the time I graduated, I was only just sort of really starting to ha- show an interest in marketing. Like when I was at university, I quite enjoyed like making websites, and I understood, uh, you know, I was learning to code, and I was enjoying all that. But I really didn't see myself as like a marketer or a salesperson. That just sort of came with it. So obviously, I was okay at it because otherwise I wouldn't have made in, gone any customers. Mm. But now I have much more of an understanding and much more of a passion and interest in the sort of the sales and marketing process than I did when I was like, you know, throughout, throughout university. So again, it was probably because I, was, I didn't understand it completely and also because maybe I just wasn't interested. Whereas, for example, now I don't write any code. I've not written code for probably eight years now. 
um, and, I, and I don't really have any interest in writing code. But because I learned that at, at that early age, it kind of gives me an advantage as a founder because obviously I can speak to our development team you know, and I can understand what they're talking about rather than sort of being completely oblivious to it. So, they, so it has it has got some use. Um, but, you know, now I'd consider myself much more of a sort of sales and marketing person than I would consider myself like a technical person. Yeah, the, the, one of the skills I always think is amazing as people kind of grow at a business capacity is just seeing people shuffle from being a, an individual to becoming a collective and just kind of taking mm. on the, the managerial role, uh, kind of being able to direct on a Kind of grander level and how have you found that transition for yourself because it's not a skill that most people have to use on a, a daily basis it's a uh, very distinct um uh, in terms of what sort of being a good being a good manager yeah, being a good boss what do you being mean being able to kind of lead and kind of point the company uh forward and kind of a somewhat cohesive fashion uh amongst many yeah. little roles it, it is tricky and sometimes you know, certainly as you grow the team, um, you kind of lose like, you know, probably five years ago, there was like, I don't know, 12 of us maybe. And, you know, that was a really good sort of size because we had enough of a team that we were kind of close knit, like we all knew each other, you know, and, but also we, we, there was enough resource that we could kind of move forward. Whereas now, you know, it's like you, you get to a stage in, in business where, you know, you're not, you're not necessarily like best friends with every every single person in your team. It doesn't mean that you you've got any issue with them, but like you're not you don't have that sort of same close knit bond mm. that perhaps you you do when you start yeah. out. And and as the company grows from like you know a few people like two three people, you know you, you're literally almost like almost like best friends working together type thing. And then uh, you know as as you go, you have to delegate and and you have, then you get manage. You, like for example, I have um, a CTO, a CMO, and a COO now. So I rely heavily on on those three guys to to sort of manage a lot of the pro day to day running of the business, um, and and that kind of frees up a lot of my time to focus on the bigger picture. But as a result, I perhaps don't have the same relationship I have um, so with with some staff than I maybe used to. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It's it kind of it's funny. You know, obviously, I think it's still I still try and, and speak to everyone and, and get on with with everyone. And of course, for me, actually, one of the thing the main drivers to our success has been that we've built a really good culture you know I'm very particular about who we hire and I think um you know it's important to me that to to cultivate mm. a team that work really well together and to get on and and everyone's on the same kind of wavelength almost and, you know I think if you can get that right that's really really valuable in itself but obviously then you've to, to, to further complicate matters you've got to actually find people who know what they're doing as yeah. well so if you can kind of balance those two things I think that's kind of key yeah and I, I imagine it it must help being able that you know you've got the the shows where you're you're being uh, just open, you're chatting. Uh, you know, with some yeah. companies, especially once they get larger, it's like the the CEO becomes this mythical figure. You're very down to earth. Yeah. You've got the shows going and keeping yourself busy. Yeah. yeah, well, you have to. You know, as I say, you know, I don't want to. Bec- I want to. I certainly don't want it to get to a stage where I'm a mythical figure. But I, I certainly think you know <laughs> you've got to. It, there's, it has to get to a point where you know you have to rely on your management team to kind of to, to, to handle the day to day things because again you know as you grow the team there's only so much you can do. Um, and all, of course, again, it's about being able to focus on the bigger picture and not getting too, not allowing yourself to get too shrouded with things that kind of take up too much time when actually you sh- shouldn't be focusing on that. You should be focusing on like, right, what's next? Where are we going in, in a couple of months time? You know, what, 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 what objectives do we need to hit, etc. Fantastic. And uh, yeah, I think that is generally just the, the real important, uh, one of the 
great takeaways of what you're saying there is you look at so many businesses and they're struggling and they're kind of trying to get up and running and get into the flow of things and you chat to what they've mm-hmm. been doing on a daily basis and it's a lot of things that's not part of that grand vision and I was just wondering is there any other kind of small tripfalls you see people kind of get caught up with when they're either starting out or been uh, trying to grow their business? I think um, a couple of things one you know which I was guilty of when I kind of look back to sort of 10 years or so I was like very much just like if I rewind 10 years just finished uni I was like literally going from business idea to business idea even though I had something that was already working I was like oh I'm going to start this I've got this idea for a product and I was very much just like registering new domain names every week (laughs) for ideas that I'd have and then I'd kind of start working on the website or start building the product but not really finish it and then I'd move on to the next and I kind of was rather than just focusing on what was actually working and devoting my time mm. on that, I was thinking, trying to think of the next big idea. Um, I think there's a lot of people who get caught up in that trap when they're starting out. And fortunately, I managed to get away from it. Um, but, you know, there was probably a period of two, three years where I was like coming up with the ideas left, right and centre. I thought, you know, I can do loads of different things at once. But actually, when if you've got something that's starting to work, just go full pelt on that. Keep that single mindedness going with that one business. And, you know, if, if it's starting to generate income for you and it's starting to do well, you know, try and amplify it, try and make it kind of snowball rather than thinking, oh, OK, it's doing OK now. I can go off on different tangents. So that's one thing. And the other thing as well is in a similar way or a similar vein, it's like if some people are kind of buy, buy products or they'll just read books and books uh, and, you know, it'll be kind of rather than actually t- t- taking any action to begin with they'll just be buying another course and following you know another guide or reading another book so ultimately sometimes being a good entrepreneur is about just taking action and diving in yeah it's uh that taking um intuition yeah mm. i think that's something we've heard a bit as well is that kind of there is i think definitely a kind of a fear in certain elements of business and entrepreneurship itself because you're having to, you know, be very sure in your own mm. ideas and you're having to, in some cases, rely on somebody else who's got something that you need. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's something kind of, maybe you can phrase this better than I can, but you've got to kind of take the dive. Yeah. You've got to just go for it sometimes. Yeah, it is scary. I completely agree with you. I think, you know, especially when you're, you know, I can understand I was lucky. I started when I was young. I didn't really have any outgoing. I didn't have a mortgage or anything like that. I think when you get to a stage where you've been in corporate world for like a few years and then you think some people get to the late 20s or early early 30s and they're like, or even sometimes later in life, and they're like, all right, I'll start a business now. But that's a scary point, especially if you've, you know, if you've got a kid or, you know, a mortgage, suddenly you've got outgoings, you've got responsibilities. So I think taking that leap is, is you know, even at that, at that kind of phase is, is scary. Um, but yeah, even for, for people yeah. who start, it's just the, the fear of the unknown, but ultimately you've got to learn from your mistakes and i think i've had you know i've I've had some some successes but i've also had some failures as well like there's not everything i've tried over the last sort of 10 years hasn't always worked i've had some quite big failures where i spent a lot of money and they haven't worked out and that's just part of the ride of being an entrepreneur unfortunately but you know of course then yeah. for, for every failure you have hopefully you have a success that kind of go follows it and again it's about learning from your mistakes isn't it it's, it's making sure that once you've don't view it as a failure. View it as just a learning curve. I think that's a good, good phrase. I can't remember who said that, but it's a very, very poignant. To uh, I like that. Yeah. It's uh, something yeah. good and yeah, just kind of on, on the the bright side. Looking forward, things from the mm. sounds of it is have been going fantastic. Have you got um, a grand vision of where you're kind of 
working towards at the moment and kind of what you're thinking looking forward? I mean, at the moment, we're just focusing on matchmaker. As I say, it's been been a bit of a whirlwind this year. It's been really exciting. Um, so we're going to continue for sort of growing that. Um, obviously, we we've got Radio.co, which has been around for about five years. So that's kind of like a quite a mature business now. Um, we're looking at how we can sort of take that to the next level in the new year. So we're sort of starting to plan what we're going to be, how we're going to be innovating and changing that platform next year. Um, yeah, and it's just about kind of keeping things progressing. I think not stagnating is, is quite important too. You don't want to sort of rest on your laurels too much. You need to, to always be moving forward. Absolutely. And uh, I think throughout everything you've done, uh, what I've heard of today is just, it really really shows a, a great through line from, you know, starting off wanting to do radio, ra- kind of wait, yep. um, doing the, the waveform and the kind of doing radio.co podcast and matchmaker. Uh, really cohesive narrative and kind of through line there. And, mm-hmm. I think as um, we we've had a, a wonderful chat with you. If you, there's anything you can kind of want uh, to point people towards or kind of uh, best ways to find you, I would love to love to hear, it and I'm sure people would love to check it all out. Yeah, thanks very much uh, for having me today. It's been been great to talk to you both. Um, if people want to get in touch, they can reach out via li- uh, social media. If you go to jamesm.com/connect, all the details are on there. Fantastic stuff, and yeah, this has been brilliant. Um, brilliant. We'll cut over to a little wee bit, and we can record an outro another time but it has been fantastic speaking to you and uh, it's really inspirational seeing all the stuff you've been up to all right thanks very much for having me guys no worries and have a nice week so anton wasn't that a lovely conversation absolutely and it's kind of uh, all inspiring seeing some of the stuff he's done along his career he has mm. um especially inspiring for us I think, yeah, uh, there's sort of so many wonderful people out there who have done, you know, who have been entrepreneurs from the start and who have just gotten going and you kind of can't stop them. And yeah, it's wonderful to hear another story and, you know, wonderful that he was happy to talk with us as well. Um, I was a little bit quiet, um, but also, yeah, what a what a brilliant guy. Yeah. And it's I I think it's especially um, interesting coming from uh, our, our situation where we're so locally based uh, and kind of meeting and going to our, our clients' spaces and uh, filming to speak to somebody with such a, an international and kind of non-centralized presence, and especially in a time like this, um, it's kind of awe-inspiring of you know what a, a business could be, and um, yeah, it just makes me excited to see what we can do here at Nakamedia. Yeah, there there was some brilliant sort of little bits in there, and I hope that you, as the listeners, have also picked up um, any wonderful tips. Um, you know that this podcast oozing with tips um uh, maybe i didn't say that um but no it was it was a really lovely chat and and yeah if people want to um email email in to us anton how can they do that yes contact at nagamedia.co.uk and we're on all the social media platforms aren't we yeah we are as nagamedia llp um Similarly, if you're feeling, you know, a little gothic, um, a little bit in the Halloween spooky mood that it is, at least currently, um, you know, find your local raven, um, your local three-eyed raven, uh, ask for, you know, whatever question it has, you've got to Naka Media, and, and it'll it'll get straight to us. The ravens yeah. find us. You know, it's a, it's, you know, some people talk about sixth sense, this is the, the eighth sense, you know, the <laughs> raven sense. It's, a, it's really fabulous. Sense. They come... You know, and- uh, others say that 
you know, why have the Raven system when you've also got email and social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram um, and LinkedIn? But we say the Ravens, you know, are a personal touch that we couldn't live without. Yeah, and you know, it you know it complements like you know the beautiful white aesthetic of our website at nakamedia.co.uk by having you know the darkened raven on the other side. So both fantastic ways to learn more about what we do and the services yeah. we offer. I think we're allowed to laugh at our own plugmanship, right? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's at the end. You know, it's a, it's a stress test. How much mm. plugging can uh, people endure before they leave the podcast? Wonderful. Well, we'll end it first, shall we? Thank you very much for listening to today's episode. Bye. Au revoir.